Hello, and welcome to the World Fellows podcast. My name is Emma Skye, and I'm director of the World Fellows program at Yale. My guest today is Koto Reeves, a woman's rights activist from Liberia. Koto, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Emma. It's really good to be here at this point um, in the fellowship to talk to you. So let's start. Tell me about your childhood. What was life like growing up in Liberia? Um, so my childhood was really um, colorful, interactive. I lived in a multicultural space. Uh, which was the largest informal settlement in Liberia. Um, and in that space, there were many, you know, migrants from other West African countries. So people from Nigeria, Sierra Leone, Ghana, they had all come to Liberia because at that point, Liberia was seen as the sort of gateway to the U.S. So um, it was a very colorful space in terms of tradition and culture and, you know, uh, diversity. Um, but it was also a place where you had many low-income families. So there was also a lot of suffering and lack of, you know, access to public services, especially um, education. I think what was important about, you know, the, the period when I was growing up was that Liberia was on the cusp of political transition. And that informed, you know, my child, my childhood in terms of, you know, my father's own position, uh, the literature he read, the things that he talked about, and that really had an impact on me. Um, when I was growing up, you know, that was also the point when President Topman, he was the librarian president for 44 years, the longest serving president. Uh, that was when he died. And he was also, I guess, on the global scene within the context of the Cold War. He was also the custodian of the imperial governance uh, system that we have today in Liberia. And um, when he died, there was an important shift that occurred in the country. And it was marked by calls for reformation. Um, you know, the need for a multi-party system and representation of all Liberians in government and in other spaces. So this advocacy was led mainly by the student movement, um, and they were at the forefront in terms of all of the different actions that were taking place. Um, eventually, we had a coup, a military coup. I, I may have been like, what, um, 10 years old uh, when we had a military coup. And Liberia sort of experienced an unraveling. Um, it was for good and bad. And my family experience was definitely, you know, symbolic of this change. And it has shaped uh, my politics on social justice, power and inequalities, um, you know, essentially. How were you affected by the civil war? Um, so I tend to, you know, look at this in hindsight. Uh, because it's easier for me to talk about it like this. Um, so I see myself as a survivor, like against all odds, you know, I can sit today and do an interview with you at Yale. So this is loaded for me and it's going to take months to unpack. But I think you understand, you know, just given the time that we spent together so far. And... The war affected me in terms of also understanding my privilege 
you know, as a Liberian woman who is a writer, I work as an activist. Um, I have an education in politics that gives me the, the voice and the redemption. So I'm able to use that. And I think all of this comes from just being in a space of near death, being in a space of, you know, just grief and loss. So I've been able to channel this into creating um, spaces of resistance, um, spaces of analysis uh, with the aim of never returning to the checkpoints, the checkpoints that I experienced during the war. Was the suffering that you and your family experienced, was that typical Um, of every Liberian family? Yeah. So... 250,000 people, you know, it's estimated that 250,000 people died um, during the war. And my family, we lost everything, um, you know, from our home uh, to just everything that we had. Uh, My education got pushed back uh, by, you know, close to 13 years. So I had gone to university. I graduated from high school. I think I was 15. I went to university when I was 16. I did not complete college until I was um, what, 29, 30 years old. And all of that was because of the war. I think the most uh, significant loss was um, my mother um, got killed in one of the massacres. And that had... Uh, you know, um, a huge impact yeah, on my family, my siblings, especially my brothers who were there with her when it happened. So um, we spent, you know, the last, I'll say two decades, uh, close to three decades um, on a healing journey, you know, trying to put uh, pieces back together. Um, and I think we are succeeding. So, you know, on the personal level, that's the impact. But this is something that has been um, the story of many other Liberian families. Um, yeah. And as you mentioned, you know, you are a feminist. And before coming to Yale, you were head of the Women's Rights at Action Aid. What have you been able to achieve through your work? So I I come to the public space as a feminist uh, activist, as a creative and an international development uh, professional. This means that I have an edge when it comes to using creativity, in problem solving, um, but also being able to have a political and practical joining. Um, I've talked about my experience, you know, as a war survivor, and I think that has been really important in terms of how I do my work, how I engage, you know, at the ground level, how I engage also at global levels. So um, in terms of my accomplishments, you know, I like to think that, you know, working with uh, teams. Um, my last, you know, position in Action Aid, I was working across forty-three countries. So that meant working with several different teams on different issues. And I, I like to think that um, 
that contributed to my success. So it's, it's definitely, you know, it hasn't been like a solo journey. Um, the first thing is, um, and it wasn't planned, it wasn't intentional, but I had the opportunity to use my scholarship. So my graduate research, I was able to uh, use it for my work as country director in Action Aid that I included that and made it a big part of the country strategy paper. So my my paper was on movement building on women's rights, the realization of women's rights in Liberia. So for five years, I was able to test out my graduate research. I think the other thing was being able to, um, you know, be involved in high level influencing and leadership across different organizations and regions. So working with the UN, uh, UNDP, working with uh, USAID, um, Action Aid, um, and also working on several boards, um, prominent among, amongst them, uh, the Urgent Action Fund for Africa. I was the chair of the board for four years before I came uh, to Yale. Uh, I got off in December. Um, I'm also a board member of FERN. It's a policy think tank in uh, Belgium that works on issues of climate change in the forest. Uh, I think I've been able to take in that, um, you know, all of my skills and my background into those spaces and influence. Um, from the ground up, I think I've been very um, lucky to work across so many countries and so many issues, you know, from Liberia to Palestine, to, to Palestine, to Haiti, Nepal, you know, could live in Kenya. I think all of those things have helped me in terms of, you know, contributing and shaping the global development uh, conversation. And um, I've also been able to, you know, produce documents and write, um, participate in the necessary framing of response to, you know, global crisis um, based on my experience. So one of the documents that we have been able to develop is the one that talks about a feminist, just green transition, that this is what we need now with all of the other issues around global crisis, but also the, um, you know, prominent amongst them, the climate change one and the uh, COVID pandemic. So I've done a lot um, in terms of influencing and bringing in the poli the politics of someone who has experienced lack, who has experienced discrimination, uh, and also someone who thinks in a creative way uh, to solve problems, you know, both at macro and micro levels. Well, you are also an incredible writer and poet. And your cohort, the 2021 World Fathers, <laughs> have voted you as their poet laureate. <laughs> so I wonder if you would read one of your poems to us. That is so kind, uh, Emma. I did not know I was the poet laureate, um, <laughs> but I'm going to take that with lots of gratitude. And I am going to read, um, so my book, uh, Inappropriate Medley, is a book that looks at challenging the status quo. So it's the status quo around um, the war, but also the um, certainty that the war situation is not, um, you know, is not 
the reality, it, it cannot be our reality forever that we are going to move to a place of redemption. So I've written, you know, about my country in the book. And one of the poems I wrote was called, it's called uh, We the Colonized. And I'd like to read parts of it. We the Colonized, dedicated to Liberia, to a new dawn. We the colonized and freed people stand on the hills of Dukor and say, we will remember the past. We will not blot out the pain or loss. History books are biased. They ask, is your story written down? Why do you think it is true? To the ones who converted and stole freedom and land, and preached us into Christianity and civilization, to the ones who built strong century standing walls, we say, come and hear a story that you curated, the story of our lives. We will remember you, builders and free men. And when the walls crash, brick by brick, into sand that flow deep, on the rivers and the ocean, pulling dying animals to the shore, gray becomes the land, divided the people, all held together by thirteen poles, tightened lives. Add 250,000 soldiers and rape, rebels and checkpoints, family lost their patriarchs. Someone said the blood reached her ankles. Mothers traded themselves and saved their daughters from rape. Men lost their hearts to cooking pots. We remember the cries as our ancestors dropped from poles. We hear the silence of the people who walked, and we know the shock of families beaten to death in mats at checkpoints. Then there was the time when women lost their sanity toward the savagery of guarding gin bottles being forced into their vaginas, and children, their bodies to cannibals. That we will remember. We, the colonized, the people of Dukor, settlers and all, will stand every day and say to Liberia, your sun rises like fire. Rainy season will come this time and heal nurture the land and clear the blood, and memories of pole and body parts on stakes called checkpoints, we will embrace the lush promises of the rainbow and choose to let go. So that's it, Emma. Go through that is amazing. Thank you. So what are your plans for the future? What's next for you? Um, yeah, so I, you know, I want to start by saying that the Yale uh, World Fellowship has given me additional lens to frame the world. So definitely that's my, you know, takeaway. It's uh, an important merger of praxis and academia. And I think it has been necessary for me to move forward, you know, with this um, gift, with this sort of restoration so there are a few things that, you know, I was thinking about before coming to Yale, and I'm going to continue, you know, on that path. 
Uh, the first is I'm going to continue work on healing justice through non-traditional documentation of war survivor stories. And I will host a memory center for this documentation. In fact, today we had the first, you know, 10 stories that came up, uh, came out um, that I'm, you know, putting together. I'm also going to uh, curate an issue-based uh, tour and a seminar on transitional justice, memory, and healing. Um, I know that, you know, we'll soon be leaving, um, you know, by December, by January. You may even forget, you know, that you had these 16 persons here. But I also want to say that you are going to hear my voice. You know, I'm going to be quite uh, vocal. I'm going to write, you know, a lot. I already started writing. Um, you know, just looking at the, my contribution to scholarship has really been through uh, the checkpoints, the symbol of the checkpoints that I, you know, used to say that any sort of barrier to people uh, realizing the rights is a checkpoint. So during the war, there were physical checkpoints, but now we have, you know, checkpoints of different sorts. And I really want to be able to have conversations around that and get people from different parts of, you know, my country externally to start to talk about it and use our creativity uh, to ensure that people are not held back and they're able to, you know, identify the problems they face and be able to solve them uh, in political ways. So, yeah, so that's what I'm going to be doing. Um, surely, you know, I'll get a job that gives me, you know, bread and water, but I'll also continue with my advocacy because this is, you know, this is what I need to do. This is my urgency. Koto, once a world fellow, always a world fellow. You're a world fellow for life. I certainly will never forget you. You're an amazing poet. You have an amazing voice and you're doing amazing work in the world. So thank you very much. Thank you, Emma. It's really good to be on with you and to talk and share my experiences.